Welcome to Bold Faith with Courage Molina, a place where you get empowered and equipped to be who God has called you to be, do what God has called you to do, and go after everything he said you can have without hesitation or apology. Let's go. All right, so welcome. I am Pastor Courage Molina. This is Bold Faith Community Church. I am so excited that you are here with us. Bold Faith Community Church exists to help women develop a personal relationship with Christ, walk boldly in their faith, and apply the Word of God to every area of their lives. We will fulfill our mission by equipping and training women to be ministers in the Word of God. The vision is to build a community of women who are bold in their faith, confident in their calling, and courageous in their pursuits. All right, let's get into this week's sermon. Hello, my people. What's up? So glad that you are here on this beautiful Saturday morning. Keep dropping where you're tuning in from. Um, listen, I'm wearing my bold faith. Should I stand up so y'all can really see? <laughs> so cute, so cute. I'm wearing my retreat shirt from last year. Uh, we had a retreat in September and it was our first time getting together as a church. It was amazing. Anybody was at the retreat, drop and let these folks know that it was absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. And so I just want to talk to you guys before we get started. Just a moment. I would hate for y'all to be here every week and then, you know, not know about the retreat for the retreat. Y'all know I'm typing. I don't know why I didn't do this before, but it's all good. All good in the hood. Here we go. Add banner. Let's do it. Let's scroll. Show you. Okay, here we go. Uh, boldfaithchurch.org for details for the retreat. 2023. Listen, we're having our next retreat July 14th through the 17th of this year, 2023. And it is going to be in Greensboro, North Carolina, hosted at the Grandover Resort and Spa Hotel. It's going to be absolutely amazing. It is from Friday through Monday morning. It is going to be a great time for us to come together and connect with women from the community, to connect with other believers, um, to get poured into. I know so many of you are leaders. I know that's who I serve. I am not um, ignorant to that fact that most of you are women who lead in your homes, in schools, in your community. You are leaders in business. You are leaders in just all these areas of your life. I get that. And what does that mean? It means that we very rarely as leaders take time to get poured into because we always have to show up and be on. We always have to get in the room. And when we're in the room, it's like, okay, well, I'm a leader in this room. So this is not the place for me to let my hair down, so to speak, and really get poured into this is the perfect place for you to do this. I want you to understand that this is a retreat. Faith Ignited is a retreat. It is not a conference. Why am I telling you that? I'm telling you it's a retreat and not a conference because at a conference, you're going to have session after session, back to back to back. That's what makes the conference good. You're going to be doing all this running around. This is not that. This is the time for you to relax, for you to reflect. Um, after the session. So that time is included for you to slow down and for you to reflect and hear from God, for you not to have to worry about who going to eat what, who going to wear what, who getting on the bus, who ain't getting on the bus. You're not going to have to worry about any of that. Find your mama, your cousin, your auntie. See if you can get your great grandmama somebody to babysit these kids and make sure they're okay and come and join us in Greensboro, North Carolina. You do not want to miss it. I'd love to know who's coming. Who's coming? Who got their ticket? You got your ticket. You reserve your spot already. Go ahead and drop it in the chat. Let me know who is coming so we can celebrate that we're going to see you. Cannot wait to see you. Don't wait until uh, the last minute. Don't wait until June. This is going to sell out. We have 30 spots available. That's not true. We want to get 30 women in the room. 15 have already made the decision to come and join us. So don't, don't wait to the last minute. Only 15 more to go. Are you one of those 15? Are you one of the 30 that plans to get in this space and just be forever changed by it. So check it out. It's amazing. Um, it is it is definitely in the vein of, um, 
it's definitely in the vein of today's message. So if you have been, you know, with us for some time, then you know that we are a Bible studying church, you know, that we are a Bible studying church. And so what that means is that we are studying the Bible, um, every single week along with the sermon. And so one of the things that we've been looking at is really how when the Holy Spirit came and they started to go out and plant churches and and they started to go out and spread the good news and set up communities and things like that, they started first in Jerusalem. And so what we've noticed is how that unity has allowed them to be in community with one another. We saw how the apostles stayed together as they waited for the Holy Spirit. We can see that there is power in community. And although we're an online church, understanding it is is important for us to be in the same space, you know? So come and join us and be in this space with us. Now, where am I teaching from today? If you've been with us, then you know that today I'm teaching from Acts 4, chapters 1 through 36. Um, we'll, I'll go through that here in just a second, but if I had to give this a title, if you're a note taker and you need to write down the title, then the title would be, um, with boldness, with boldness. The more I study the book of X, the more we can see the impact that the Holy Spirit has, you know, on the people who pray and, uh, and the people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. That is what we get to see. Um, and in this week, we're going to be looking at what we can do with boldness. Okay. X four verses one through 36. Um, so let's start with who we see, because there are a lot of people. I kind of gave an overview the very first week of the people who were in, who we would see and the book of Acts, and there's a lot. So I think it's really important for us to take a look at who we see from chapter to chapter. So in this chapter, we will see Peter and John. Peter and John are both apostles. They were both with Jesus, witnessing with him. They were not learned men. They were not highly educated or trained. Um, they were, you know, with Jesus. They were disciples of Jesus, studied the word, studied the teachings of Jesus, they were sent out, they did healing, they saw Jesus perform miracles, they themselves perform miracles, they all kind of abandoned Jesus, Peter so much so that he denied him three times, right? Um, at the time of Jesus, um, you know, crucifixion and, and, and burial. And so they were also the first two to see Jesus when he, not, well, the first two disciples, not the first two people, because the first person to see Jesus was Mary. You with me? But they were the first to run to the tomb other than Mary, the first two disciples to do it. Uh, we also see the community of believers in chapter four. We see the Holy Spirit is at work. And when I say believers, I mean believers that Jesus was the son of God, that he was the Messiah that had been prophesied about in old um, prophecy. So we see the Holy Spirit who shows up on the scene once again to do what only the Holy Spirit can do. We see uh, the council or Sadducees, these religious leaders that um, were actually, a lot of them were, were actually a part of um, setting Jesus up and, and turning him over to Pilate and, and um, inciting a, um, a movement or right against him so that they would be asking Pilate to crucify Jesus. This is in the same place where this has taken place. It's in the same place where all those things happened to Jesus. Now here they are, Peter and John. Um, and then it also will also see Joseph called uh, Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, who was a leader, um, one of the leaders in, in this group. So um, for the people. So that's who we see there. So let's look at what happens. Let's take a look at what happens in chapter four, right? So, um, you know, Peter and John, while they were speaking to the people, because y'all know right before they were speaking in the temple, they um, told they were on their way to the temple. Let me give you some background in case you missed last week. They were going to the temple. There was this man who asked for Peter to um, ask for Peter and John to give him something, to give him some gold or some silver. And they're like, we ain't got it, but we have, we'll give to you. And so um, 
he told him, he took his hand. He said, by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And the man walked. And so they were preaching about Jesus and saying how this very Jesus, this name is the one who gave you the power to be healed. The one that y'all killed. So they're still standing out there. This is like, uh, if you're watching, if we're watching the episode, this is like the to be continued part of it. Right. So they're still out there speaking to the people and, um, you know, the council, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and some of the Sadducees came out to confront them because they were preaching that Jesus was the Messiah. This threatened their position. So like, y'all need to be quiet where you know what you're going to put y'all in jail until in the morning. And then we're going to take y'all before the council, even though they are threatening them and they're getting they're getting ready to arrest them. There were so many people who heard about this message and who saw there were people who believed. So the number, remember the number before when Peter spoke increased to 3000. Now the number of men who believed now totaled 5,000. So now we still have increase even in the face of um, trouble confrontation. Right. And so now it's the next day, Peter and John have to go before the council and so they are telling them, you know, they want to know, they're asking this questions. Under whose name are you doing this? Under whose authority do you come? Now, Peter, being filled with the Holy Spirit, he speaks to them. That I want to read to you. Verse 8, chapter 4, verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. I'm reading from the NLT, New Living Translation. Just so you know, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It's chapter 4. Verse 8 through 12. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified. Not you, general sense of you, you. You people who are actively in leadership right now, y'all who are asking me questions, the same one that I'm coming before this. These are the same ones that Jesus came before. So he's not saying you people. He's saying you specifically y'all who talking to me. All right. The man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. Verse 11, for Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. And so then he speaks boldly in um, not necessarily in defense of the faith, but in the face of this opposition, he speaks boldly. He doesn't cower down. He's on, they're on trial. He basically puts them on trial. No, I'm not on trial. Y'all on trial. Y'all the ones who need to be, let me be clear here. You want to know who did this? I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm going to be clear. Jesus, the one from Nazareth, the one that y'all killed, but who God raised up, the one that y'all rejected. And, and it says the stone that you builders rejected. You builders, the ones who were supposed to be building. These are the Jewish leaders of the people of Israel. These are the ones who are supposed to be bringing the people together and letting them know, know y'all who are in position, y'all rejected the cornerstone. Let me just take a little time out here. Do you know what a cornerstone is? Cornerstone and building is like, it's the corner piece. Um, it's the corner piece that, that, um, holds the two walls in place. So if you imagine, you know, one wall here and the other wall here, how do these walls stay up? It's the cornerstone that keeps them up. It's the cornerstone that holds the building together. It's the cornerstone that which the building is built on. Without the cornerstone, the walls fall apart. Without the cornerstone, the whole thing falls apart. Without Jesus, I'm just really trying to give y'all a summary right now. Without Jesus, all of Christianity, everything that we believe falls apart. There is salvation in no one else. There isn't anything that can be put in that place that we can build on. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Jesus is the only way, right? And so now even the members of the council are amazed. 
at what's going on. They're amazed at the boldness in which he spoke. They recognize that these were the men who were with Jesus and they still mad though, right? And so like, just give us a second. We're going to go and um, we're going to, we just, y'all stay right here. We're going to talk about this a little bit. We need to, we need to talk about this, right? And so they go off to the side and they're like trying to figure out what they should do. What should we do with these men? What, what are we going to do with them? And so they're like, well, we don't know what we're going to do. We can't kill them right now because all of these people saw that they actually healed the man. The man they healed is standing right here with us. So we can't do that. So they in there conspire. So what are we going to do then? Well, we're going to let them go. We're going to tell them, don't y'all do that no more. Don't. We, that's what we're going to do. We're going to let them go. We ain't going to take them. We ain't going to kill them because these people are probably right because they just saw. And so now they out there praising God. But what we're going to do, we're going to tell them to shut their mouth. They better not say nothing. So they go out there and then um, it goes to verse 18. Let's look at verse 18. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. So we just said there's no name under which we can be saved. We just said that Jesus is the cornerstone. We just said that Jesus is the one who God resurrected. Now I just said that, and that's what we've been preaching. And so now you've arrested me to tell me not to say it anymore. Verse 19, but Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. We cannot stop telling. If we we couldn't if we wanted to. Do you think the Lord wants us to listen to y'all or listen to him? How can we stop talking about and stop teaching about this thing that we know to be true, this thing that we've experienced? How can somebody create a law that keeps me from talking about the goodness of Jesus? How can I be in a place that has a policy that tells me that I have to keep my mouth shut about what God has done? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. We can't do it. Verse 21, the council then threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for his for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than th for more than 40 years. They didn't know what how, how can we fight against what the people can see? How can we fight against the proof of of the living? How can we fight against the presence of the miracle? How can we fight against that? We can try, but it ain't going to work. So then they continue on. Um, so then Peter and John, they go back to where the believe, where the believers are and they tell the believers what they say. They're like, man, they had to let us go, but they threatened us and they told us that we better not be saying nothing else about it. And so the believers, when they heard the report, they started to pray. Verse 24, when they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. Verse 27, the prayer continues. In fact, this has happened there in this very city. For Herod, Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. That's so good. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. 
So what happens? Peter and John are out here preaching and teaching out here at the temple. The people come, they mad. The leaders are like, y'all better shut up. We're going to put y'all in jail till the morning. Then the next day, but people still believe. So 5,000 are at it. The next day they come and they're like, y'all better stop doing it. Who gave y'all this authority? P Peter's like, let me be clear. Let me be clear here. I don't want there to be any understanding. Let me clear this up. This is the Jesus that y'all rejected. That's the one who gave us power. They're like, okay, we don't really know what to do with them. Y'all better stop talking. He like, we're not about to stop talking. We're going to keep saying what we're saying. So then they're threatened. He doesn't go back and say, we can't do this anymore. He doesn't go back and say, oh man, they threaten us. What are we going to do? We can't do it. Instead of complaining about the situation that they're in, instead of complaining about the struggle that they face, or the opposition, they use this as an opportunity to unite in prayer and ask God to give them the strength. They're not saying, God, remove from us this problem. God, shut their mouths. And I'm not saying for you, I'm not saying for you never to pray, you know, for God to remove something. That's not what this is saying. But it's saying sometimes the prayer is not so much, God, take this away from me, but God, give us the capacity and the power to face this opposition, to deal with this problem that I have. God, I'm not asking you to take this problem away. I'm asking you to give me the courage to face it head on because you've called me to this place. You've called me to this position. God, I'm not asking for you to shut them down or close it. I'm asking for you to give me the strength. I'm asking for you to show yourself, God, on my behalf in this situation. Do you see what I'm saying? They not praying for it to go away. And then after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, we see the Holy Spirit giving them the ability to preach the word of God with boldness. It's the th same thing that we saw with Peter. He was able to speak. The Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, then down in verse 13, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness. Holy Spirit made them bold, right? And now they go out, they preach. And so now they are united. They are united in their belief. They are united in their goal and their purpose. And they recognize that the things that they own don't belong to them. And so because they're living in community, they are not allowing the people who live with them, who are in community with them, who are part of the body of Christ, these believers, they don't allow them to go without. So if I got something and you need something, they give it to them. You needed something, even to the point of selling things to make sure that people have what they need. So I'm gonna go sell my goods. And I want to be clear, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about marketplace. I know that I have a lot of entrepreneurs and I often um, draw a line between what the Lord is saying in the word and, and what that looks like for us as entrepreneurs. This is not about selling your products or your services to people to fill their need. It is about selling the surplus that you have to somebody else so that you can get that money and help the body of Christ fill the need of the people who are in community with you. So um, I got four cars. I'm going to sell one car and I'm going to take that money and I'm going to give that to the church so that it can help the people in need. I have five houses. I'm going to sell a house and I'm going to bring that house to the people, you know, to, to the church so the church can use that this is that's what they're talking about. We're in community so that the women who I see on my screen every day, um, they can see that I'm going to go out to the marketplace and sell things so that if there's a woman who wants to go to the retreat, come on, Holy Ghost, and she can't afford to go, I'm going to pay for her to go. So I'm going to go out here and sell this. Thing. I'm going to go out here and sell something so much so they give an example. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles named Barnabas, which means sons of an son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi. He came from the island of Cyprus. He did not live in Jerusalem. He came, remember that this is all happening at the time of the festival. So the believers of Jews have come from all over to celebrate. They've come to Jerusalem. So he doesn't live there. He's from Cyprus. He came from Cyprus. He's with them. He decides, I'm going to sell this land. He sells some of his land. He sold a field he owned. And then he brought that money to the apostles. 
making sure that everybody has what they need. Okay? Making sure everybody has what they need. That's so good, right? I feel like this story is so good. This thing where you can see how people are, um, yes, encouraged and, and assigned to do things, but how they are empowered by the Holy Spirit. So let's look at this. Let's let's make some observations. What observations can we make in the text? Can we see in the text? What observations can we see? We can see that their faith got them in trouble. Okay, that's what got them in trouble. It's not nothing else. It's their faith. They believe God. They believe that they were, they believed that God, they believe that God sent his son, Jesus. They believe what Jesus said. They decided to be obedient, right? Not just what they believed in, but living out their faith. They decided to be obedient. That's why they in trouble. It's their faith that got them in trouble. It's not their lack of faith. It's not their wrongdoing. It's not because God's not in them. It is their decision to obey what Jesus told them to to do, which is to go out, right? Y'all remember the great commission at the end? Um, it starts off at the beginning of Acts. There's a reminder of what he said for them to do, right? Um, Jesus gives them this assignment. And so they go out and they do that thing. They are doing this in obedience. It is their doing that that gets them in trouble. That's what I can see. I can also see what can I see in the text? Not what even what does it mean? What can I see in the text? What we can see in the text also is that their prayers unified and empowered them. Their prayers brought them together. Their pro Listen, I didn't write this down, but this is true too. Their problems caused them to get unified in prayer. Sometimes we have a common enemy. Oh, wait, we do. We have a common enemy. It is what brought them together in prayer. Their prayer unified them. And with the holy, with the, with the presence and the filling up of the Holy Spirit, it empowered them to preach boldly. Now, these people are mad. They don't want them to be talking about Jesus. They want them to stop saying it. The, the apostles didn't decide that Jesus is the only way. So you see the religious leaders are mad at the apostles, right? We can see that the religious leaders are mad at the apostles, but they're mad at the apostles for talking about what God did. If we look at verse 12, there is salvation in no one else. God, not we, the apostles, God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The apostles didn't decide that Jesus is the only way. God did. We can see that right here in the description, right here in the scripture. They weren't sitting around making a decision. They weren't sitting around saying, oh, you know what? We really like Jesus. He gave us a lot of fish. No, God has given no other name. God, who y'all serve as Jews, God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. We can see that the apostles didn't make that decision. God did. We can also see that the Holy Spirit gives them the power. I think a lot of times when we see people are filled with the Holy Spirit, um, the expectation or sometimes what is talked about is this idea like if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the only way to be able to identify the Holy Spirit's presence that you've been filled with it, right? That's what people ask you. Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? And old timey church implies that I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. The proof of that, the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues, speaking in an unlearned language, speaking in an unknown language. And while that is true, we can see here that being filled with the with the Holy Spirit, filled, not just that the Spirit is with me. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. The, the filling up of the Holy Spirit, fill me up, Lord. The filling of the Holy Spirit gave, gave them the ability to preach and teach boldly. The filling of the Holy Spirit gave them the courage 
to face opposition and speak boldly the truth. What can we learn from this? Because we're not getting these observations and these revelations so that we can be like, oh man, that's great. What can we learn from this so that we can apply it to our lives? We, you can see that opposition to faith doesn't stop it. Opposition to the truth. I don't care how many other ideas, ideologies out there. I don't care how many religions there are. I don't care what people are saying, what people are talking about. The truth of God does not stop because somebody opposes it. Can't nobody stop what God got going on. Can't nobody stop what God got going on. Just because there's opposition, that don't stop nothing. Just because somebody is opposing you, it doesn't mean that they can stop you. I think we sometimes, from a place of immaturity, immaturity in our faith, can believe that opposition means that we have to stop or opposition could stop us. Well, what if people don't like me? Well, what if people, okay, but they can't stop what the Lord got going on. The word of God said, I'm going to send a word out. It's not going to come back to me void. I'm a, I'm a, I started something in you. I'm going to send you to do something and it's going to get done. Ain't nobody going to be able to stop you. He didn't say that there wouldn't be any opposition. I've been saying to myself, grow up courage. <laughs> Every time the Holy Spirit has revealed to me this attitude or this start or this mindset that I had believing, oh, you know, if it's from God or if it's of God, I won't have to fight for it. If it's for God, if it's what God wants for me, it's going to be easy. If, if it's what God wants for me, there ain't going to be no opposition. And I've been hearing the Holy Spirit say, grow up, courage, courage, you got to grow up. Children think that. People who are new to Christ might think that you've been at this too long for you to believe that opposition, rejection, trouble means that it needs to stop. No, opposition to faith does not stop it. So when I have opposition, another lesson I can learn is that the Holy Spirit can give you the courage and make you bold. The Holy Spirit doesn't just give you the ability to speak in tongues in your prayer closet. It gives you the ability to speak up and speak truth. In your community, in your family, in your group chat, on Facebook, on Instagram, in the chat. Holy Spirit, don't just give you the power to speak in, a, speak in your prayer language in your prayer closet. It gives you the ability to stand boldly in the position that you've been placed in and speak the truth. Holy Spirit doesn't just give you the ability to speak in tongues and the prayer meeting. Also gives you the courage to face the opposition that's got you scared. You don't have to do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. Allow the Holy Spirit to do it because the Holy Spirit can give you the courage and give you the boldness to, to speak out. Now, we've all been called to witness now here um, this year. The word for the church is reach. The word for the year for the church for bold faith community church is reach. And it's um, it's about reaching up to God in our time of trouble. Right for growth. It's about reaching within and tapping into the Holy Spirit that God has placed in us so that we can do what he's called us to do. But it's also about reaching out, right, to believers and reaching out to non-believers, i.e. witnessing. We had a we had a challenge, our reach challenge this past week. Um our prayer director, Erica Davenport, challenged us on the call last week. This is why you got to get in on the group, um, on the life groups right after, right after this message finishes. I'll give you the opportunity to come and join us in community. This is where it happens, in community. You got to get in, not just on this live, not just in the chat. You got to take some time, make time, put it on your calendar. Church is from, not from eight to nine. Churches from eight to nine and then nine to 10. I have my life group. So I'm actually unavailable Saturday morning from eight to 10. Go to bed so you can be here from eight to 10 because community is happening at that time. So last week at the end of that call, Erica um, challenged us to witness to one person. We've been called to be a witness to Christ. We've been called to be a witness about the good news. We've been called to testify. So she challenged us 
to reach out to one person and witness this week. I'd love to see how many of you took that challenge, were in that challenge, and you witnessed, drop it in the chat, let me see. Um, but what you need to know, what you need to understand before you make the commitment, and we're going to be, if you missed out when it's okay, make sure you're a part of the community, make sure you get online, and that you have the email and all those things that you're on the email list, so that you can be included in the group, and you will know what the church is doing. And we are the church individuals, not just bold faith community church, but what are we as women who are part of the body of Christ? What are we doing from week to week? What does this word reach look like for us? And so for this last week, it looked like witnessing. Because we've all been called to witness, whether we've been called to the pulpit, right? Or someplace else. We have all been called to witness. And so she encouraged us to witness to one person. Well, we can see this lesson that we can see here is that witnessing about Jesus doesn't come without risk. It doesn't come without risk. Peter and John were witnessing. The believers were getting ready to witness. The council, the law, they got limited law. They were not, um, they weren't breaking Roman law by witnessing. But the Sadducees were this elite political group, kind of, right? And they basically were in charge of the temple, temple leaders. And so if they told the, you know, Roman, they out here breaking, they not respecting the temple or whatever, like they had control over that. So this idea that witnessing about Jesus doesn't have any risk, it's not true. It absolutely has risk. Using your platform to talk about Jesus has risk. Making a decision to choose Jesus there and, and to tell people that that's who you stand with, that comes with a risk. It's not without risk. I don't know what it looks like for you. Sometimes it means that you risk a business partnership because you intend to witness about Jesus. You're no longer a good fit. Sometimes it means that you're going to lose subscribers and followers. You've been talking about makeup and you've been talking about t-shirt and you've been talking about earrings. And so now you've started to include a weekly segment about Jesus. You could lose followers. You could lose customers, right? Let's make it a little bit more personal. You could lose friends. Relationships can be changed. You might not be getting an invite to the barbecues into the brunch because now you've decided to witness about Jesus. Witnessing about Jesus doesn't come without risk. I'm grateful that I live in a country, say what you want about America. I'm grateful that I live in a country where witnessing about Jesus does not mean that I can be thrown in jail. Coming together to talk about Jesus, to worship Jesus does, does not put me at risk for having my business shut down, having my home taken away, being beaten in the street. But I won't lie and say it don't come without risk. It does. It comes with risk. And so understanding that witnessing about Jesus has its own associated risk, and I don't know what those risks are for you, doesn't mean that I shouldn't witness. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't witness. It means that we can follow the example of the believers in Acts. What did they do? They prayed. The lesson here is that you need to pray for courage to witness if you don't have it. You need to pray for boldness to share with somebody about Jesus, whether it's a friend or a family member or somebody out on the street. You know what I'm saying? You need to pray for a boldness to do it. I'm not talking about beating people over the head. I'm talking about sharing with somebody the good news about Christ. When a friend talks to you about her depression and her anxiety, when a friend talks to you about what's going on, she feels so overwhelmed. She feels so empty. She feels so lost. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know where to turn. When a friend is talking to you about those things, share with them about, I just don't know what to do. Things are not going right. I feel like I can't get a break. They're falling apart. Say, I know somebody who sticks closer than a brother. I know somebody who has already laid down his life for you. 
I want to tell you about a friend of mine. I want to tell you, there's, there's this, so, this isolation that you feel. There's this loneliness that you feel. There's this rejection that you feel. Let me tell you about somebody who I know who can come and who just loves you more than you've ever been loved, who will never leave you nor forsake you. If you don't have the boldness or the courage to witness, let a lesson be for you to pray for it. Right for you to pray for it. You don't have to pray alone. You don't have to witness alone. We are not called to do this work alone. We are called to be in community. The word of God says, woe to the man who walks alone because when he falls. Yes, yes, Christianity is about an individual relationship with Christ. It is about an individual relationship with Christ, but it is not about living in isolation. It is not about doing things by yourself. It is not about coming in and getting a word and going out. It's not about turning on the video and watching and then turning the video off. No, it's not about that. It's about us coming together. What you need to understand is that community is built through spiritual unity. What does spiritual unity look like? What, what, how can we see spiritual unity here? There are people who have come together under one God with one word one savior that's how they came together they came together under one god when when i when i connect with god and i become one with god how am i not in community with you when we have the same spirit the same spirit is in both of us how is there so much divisiveness there's one spirit in both of us. If there's, if we share the same spirit of God, if we believe, if we both believe in Jesus, not we both believe in God, we both believe in Jesus. The good news is a message that unifies us, that brings us into community. Spiritual maturity leads us to community and it helps us to understand that nothing belongs to us. It is spiritual immaturity that makes you believe that everything that you have is your own. That it's them, they need to figure it out. And as long as me and my family are taken care of, that's all that matters. Spiritual immaturity. I ain't saying you don't know Jesus. I'm saying you are a young child. You's a babe in Christ. And I'm going to tell you like the Lord tells me, it's time for us to grow up. We got to grow up. Spiritual maturity helps me to recognize that what I have does not belong to me. And when I realize that nothing that I have belongs to me, I don't hesitate when the spirit moves me, when my eyes are open to things that people need. Even without being asked, I'm bringing it in because I recognize that we have needs in our community. I recognize that there are people who love God, who, who trust God, and they've fallen on hard times. And he didn't give me a bumper crop, so to speak, so that I could hoard it all and not give any away. But this is not just about hearing and recognizing the lessons. It's about doing. I want to issue a challenge to you that this message that God has given me to deliver to his people is not just about you hearing this good message and recognize. It's about who you will become. Your doing is not about just checking things off a list. Your doing is about who God is calling you to be, who you are, who you are becoming, how he's developing you to maturity um, in your spiritual relationship with Christ and with each other. Maybe what you need to do, and I don't know what your response will be, but I know that God has brought this word so that you can respond. Okay. He wants, he wants you to respond to this. I would suggest two ways that you might respond. One, pray or allow the Holy Spirit to make you a bold witness for Jesus. When you think about becoming a bold witness for Jesus, it's not just about, oh, I want the Lord to do something for me. Now, listen, if y'all know me, y'all know I'm all about asking the Lord for what you want and getting what you need from the Lord and asking the Lord for the things that you don't need, but that you want anyway, because that's your dad. You know, I live, I live with it. That's my whole thing. Like, don't tell me what I can't ask my daddy for. I'm going to ask him for a large house. I'm going to ask him for luxury travel. Like, child, I'm here for it. I'm going to ask him to bless the work of my hands. I'm going to ask him to um, 
you know, restore the restore what was lost in my marriage. I'm going to ask him to make my marriage a one that brings him glory. I'm going to ask him to have an encounter with my kids so they can come to know Christ. I'm going to ask him about things that would make me happy. Those things would make me happy. If my people had relationship with Christ, right? That would make me so happy, right? That if the people we loved could see themselves as Christ sees them, that would make me so happy. If my business was blessed, if he added to the number here at Bold Faith Community Church, that would make me happy. We act like, oh, no, it's not about that. No, it feels good when there are more people. Let's just be honest. It, we, because while we should not uh, judge ourselves by the numbers, we sometimes judge our success by the numbers, right? So we want the Lord and we want other people to be able to see that the Lord is really called. So it's, sometimes it's a little bit of selfish stuff. It's for your own comfort. This is not about praying to be more comfortable. It's about asking the Holy Spirit to make you bold so that you can face the rejection that's out there when it comes to you witnessing for Jesus. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit to make you bold, to embolden you so that you can go out and spread the actual good news about Jesus Christ so that you can talk to somebody about Jesus and how Jesus is the only way. So that they may know Christ and that they will be saved from sin and death and destruction and eternal damnation. Do you understand what I'm saying? Not asking the Holy Spirit to, so I can, I'm, I'm just nothing wrong with speaking in tongues, speaking tongues. This is about witnessing though. Because that's what we've been sent here to do, to share the good news about Christ, to be a witness for Jesus. So we can speak boldly with wisdom, seasoned, not saucy. Sometimes we out here being saucy. I was talking to a friend. I was sharing with her a conversation that I had um, with my husband. And she was like, you didn't say that, did you? I was like, I did. She was like, no, ma'am. She was like, that's not season. I'm like, it's not. She was like, no, ma'am. Did you pray before you said that? I was like, mm. I mean, I don't know that I prayed before I said it. <laughs> I don't know that I prayed before I said it, but I felt like I could say it because it, what I said is facts. I wasn't lying. And, you know, I was trying to get my point across. She was like, ma'am, <laughs> no. Praying so that the Holy Spirit, when we are getting ready to speak to non-believers, when we're getting ready to speak to people and we're getting ready to share and witness that our words will be seasoned. So don't make me bold. So I'm the Holy Spirit is not going to make you bold and obnoxious. He's not going to make you bold and offensive. He's not going to make you bold and abrasive, right? When it comes to witnessing, I'm not talking about rebuking, when it comes to witnessing, if I'm witnessing, it means I'm talking to somebody who is a non-believer. It's going to make our word seasoned. Holy Spirit empowers us to do that. So maybe you need to pray or allow the Holy Spirit. Maybe the other way that you could respond, or maybe you'll be responding in both ways, is to live in agreement with God and his word. So that you can live in unity with other believers. What is the thing that binds us? Not what no, I'm not talking about your preference. I'm not talking about your tradition. I'm not talking about your method. Not talking about what kind of gospel music you what kind of spiritual music you listen to, worship music, gospel, contemporary, quartet, you know, reggaeton. Is that reggaeton gospel? I don't know. Not talking about that. You know what I'm saying? Talking about being one with God, living in a way where I am one with God and I am one with his word, living in agreement with God and living in agreement with his word. Because when I live in agreement with God and his word, I can live in unity with other believers. The, our differences, our different preferences and things like that don't matter. And, and maybe, maybe you don't know Christ. Maybe you are on the fence. Maybe you followed God and you've been a believer of God, but you haven't made a declaration that you believe that Jesus is the son of God, who he sent to be son of man, to die on the cross for your sins, who was buried and who God raised from the dead. Maybe you haven't accepted that yet. And so I want to give you an opportunity for you to accept Christ with boldness, right? Repeat after me. Father, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe that you raised him from the dead. I now accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. 
and I accept the gift of salvation right now. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Thank you for saving me. And thank you for giving me eternal life with you. Amen. If you said it and you believe it, that settles it. I want to be one of the first to welcome you to uh, the family of God. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are so happy to have you here. Let me be among the first to welcome you. So excited that you are here with us. Now, listen, if you have said that prayer, I would love to hear from you. Send us an email at praise at boldfaithchurch.org and let us know that you've just accepted Christ. Someone from the care team will reach out to you, help get some resources in your hand so that bring you in. You know what we're going to do? Bring you into community right? And help you get um, your footing as you begin this walk of faith. Maybe you have left the fold and today you decided to return to the fold and you want to be a part of what God is doing. You've decided, you know what? I kind of fell off, but God, I am back. I got distracted. I allowed the enemy to distract me and pull me off in this wayward way. But now, Lord, I am returning back to you. We would love to hear that. Send your email to praise at boldfaithchurch.org. And someone from the care team will get in touch with you and um, get you plugged in. Now, listen, I pray that this message has blessed you, but we cannot do this work without you. If you want to help us to be a witness to women all over the world and get the message, the good news about Jesus to people who are lost and seeking then I encourage you to give today. Go to boldfaithchurch.org. If you're a member, you can set up your tithes and offerings there, giving God the first fruit, the 10% of the things that come into your home, recognizing by spiritual maturity that nothing that we have belongs to us. Or maybe you just want to partner with us and you want to do a one-time gift. You can do that also at boldfaithchurch.org. Org. Now, listen, we are not done. It is time for us to go into our life group and discuss um, the word that was just brought for us to connect with each other and to find out what this week's challenge will be. I hope that you will be able to join us. Um, come on over. I cannot wait to see you. Listen, I love y'all. See y'all in the group. Come on through. Let's. Oh, wait, one more thing. Wait, 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 wait. If you're watching the replay, you can still go to bit.ly slash church, and it's going to bring you and it's going to add you. So then that way you can get all the details so you don't miss us next time. Every Saturday, 8 a.m. EST. See you then if this is the replay. Be sure to like this video and be sure to subscribe to this channel. Okay, I think I'm done for real. Bye. See y'all in the group. If this episode has blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else so that you too can be a blessing. If you'd like to connect with us and help us to do the work that God has called us to do, you can give at boldfaithchurch.org. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram at boldfaithchurch and connect with me at Courage Molina. Thanks so much. Be sure to catch the next episode right here.